For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify. Be sure to check out our merchandise store as well on the finside.threadless.com. Paul, last week on the show, I predicted the Bengals to win this game 27 to 17. And you said that I was jinxing it and it was possibly going to end up somewhere close to that. What's the final score? 27 to 17 Bengals. So I shouldn't be surprised by this, but it's your fault. The Dolphins. Your yeah, fault. it is my fault. <laughs> Dolphins start off midway through the third quarter. They're up 17 to nothing. One is a Jakeem Grant 70 yard punt return. And another score was a 95-yard touchdown drive, surprisingly, by the offense. And a Jason Sanders field goal. It's 17-0 midway through the third quarter. Then all the wheels come off. Laramie Tunzel gets hurt. Ryan Tannehill gets pressured repeatedly, makes things even worse. And the Dolphins end up giving up 28 unanswered points. Yeah. it's. Uh, I mean, I won't say all the wheels came off. I mean – I think it was a very admirable day overall by the special teams. I thought the defense played pretty damn well considering how high-powered Cincy's offense is. There were just those fun plays on offense there in the fourth quarter that really just killed it for all involved here. I mean, and at the rate we're going, we'll be on our third-string offensive line across the board by week 16. So it's – there. God, where to start on that? Yeah, let's let's look back at the offense here. So after Jakeem Grant takes it to the house, makes it fourteen to nothing. Here are the next possessions. Okay, the next the next possession, fifteen yards punt. One after that, nine yards by the offense and a punt. Next possession, twenty six yards and a field goal. And fifteen of those twenty six six yards come on a late hit by Michael Johnson. Next drive, nine yards punt. Next drive, interception return for touchdown. Next drive, 20 yards punt. Next drive, fumble uh, return for a touchdown. Next drive, interception. I mean, this team just simply cannot put one foot in front of the other right now. And when Laramie Tunzel went down, that's when you start, started to see the wheels really start to fall off for this team. But as far as I'm concerned, Paul, and we'll we'll start with the quarterbacks here, uh, the way I look at it now, I only have to see Ryan Tannehill try to play quarterback for this team for another 11 games. I think he has been downright pathetic in the last two games, and I don't think he's really been good all year either. So I, I look at I, I look at those possessions. I look at his inability to to move the the offense. I mean, so many three and outs, and then sorry, but Ryan Tannehill does not make enough plays to where he can throw pick sixes, especially two to defensive linemen here. 
So the, only 50 or 60 yards passing by Tannehill total in the second half, not taking the team on his back at all. I, I've, I've got to give him a D, and I think that might even be generous here. I'm with you on the D for this one. It's I put some of the blame on Tannehill. I put some of the blame on the fact that it didn't seem like he had a clean pocket and it got dirtier and dirtier, especially once Tunzel went down. I mean, I, I know we're going to get to the offensive line in a second, but newsflash, I said Sam Young wasn't good enough in the preseason anymore, and he sure as hell isn't. I mean, I, I'm not trying to vouch for Tannehill here, but we still need him to be the answer. I know a lot of folks have looked ahead a little bit at, at next year's draft as far as quarterbacks go. And there aren't a lot of enticing options that don't have a lot of big old question marks. Miami's got a lot of pieces in play now. They need Tannehill or they need Gase or whoever to figure out how to get this offense rejuvenated again. I don't care what the answer is here. It's Gase is calling yet another vanilla-ass game on offense for the most part. And really, they don't have the personnel. They had a few moments in this game where when they got a little creative with some chip blocks that, that Tannehill looked a little more the part. But one thing I've noticed with him too, and this goes back to last week as well, it's he seems to be on a lot of timing routes with a lot of his receivers with where they would be if they get off the line cleanly. They're dealing with a lot of contact right now. The Patriots showed the recipe for that and putting them off their routes. He needs to make an adjustment here and maybe we'll see things get back into focus. But as it stands right now, this is a D, and unless Gates can get a little more creative or they can get Tannehill adjusting to the routes a little bit better, this is going to be an interesting stretch here. Yeah, I mean, the Dolphins really have no choice. I mean, they're not going to pull the plug on him at all this year, nor should they, I mean, because your backup op- option is Brock Osweiler. But this is this offense over the really since – Quarter two against the Jets, it has been just downright pathetic. I mean, since the Jets game, third and fourth quarter against the Jets, the Dolphins don't score a point. Next week against the Raiders, no points in the first quarter, seven in the second, no points in the third, and then 20, 21 points in the fourth quarter. Then the next week against the Patriots, zero, zero, zero. First quarter against the Bengals, zero. Then 14, seven, which it came on special teams, and then three, which, by the way, is only because of a personal foul penalty that you got a field goal. I mean, just not good enough. And it, it, it we're going to get to the offensive line, and it does suck on that. But, I mean, you need a quarterback that is going to be able to at least put some drives together. And right now, Ryan Tannehill's not doing that. Uh, the Dolphins did run the ball well today, too, and that's the frustrating thing. Frank Gore and Kenyon Drake combined for – 18 carries for 109 yards. I think Gore has looked very good the last couple of games. And I like that he was getting five, six, and seven yards in the, as those chunk plays. And the Dolphins were using Drake a little bit more creatively. He did get loose on a 22-yard touchdown. That was the first score of the game in the second quarter. Uh, and so I hope they start using these running backs a little bit more like they showed here in the Bengals game. I think you're going to start to see some of these some of these plays break loose a little bit. So I can't blame the running backs for anything that happened today. I'm going to give them a B plus. Yeah. It, the only thing I wish is that when Miami is sitting on a 17 point lead and they've got their running backs averaging five yards carry out of the two headed monster with an occasional mix of Kalen Bellage, why the hell with a lead like that, 
would you get away from that? I, I mean, it, it's just why, you know, eat yeah. some clock, churn some yards, get some first downs. I mean, do those creative things. And then, yeah, maybe take one or two shots down the field if they're there. But if your pass protection is already struggling with Josh sitting, Dan Kilgore, and then Laramie Tunzel out, why on earth would you keep putting Tannehill on his ass? And by the way, one thing that drove me insane was third and 17. They ran a read option play. And I know this is getting away from the running backs a little bit. Running Tannehill out into the flat like why why on third yeah, and 17 yeah i see and the thing with the play calling too is i i don't nitpick it as much this week as i have in other weeks but yeah the third and one and the third and two when you're running the football well have frank Gore stick his head in there and get that first out especially when it's third and inches and you got the ball past midfield you know it, it, it sneak it twice I mean, it it doesn't quite make any sense. At least a little bit of encouraging uh, marks here by the running backs. Paul, what would you grade them? I'll go with a B for these guys. I mean, they they did everything that was asked of them, both in the running and receiving game. Like like we talked about, they both averaged over five yards of carry. They were effective, just not used effectively, if that makes any kind of sense here. Let's stick with you at, with the receivers and tight ends. A little bit of a breakout from Gesicki. Uh, I'm not as sick of him this week, but the receivers are going to have to get some freer releases here. They're going to have to find some creative ways to do that because if Tannehill is truly throwing to a spot based on timing, which I surely suspect based on what I've seen, they need to get that free release, get off the line, and get to where the hell they're supposed to be. I mean, it's just – over and over and over again. And I don't think they're being deployed in the most effective manner. But I'll I'll give these guys a C on this. I, I wasn't overly impressed, but I don't think they're the underlying issue at the moment. I'll give them a C minus. I mean, I, I agree with a lot of what you said there, especially with them not not just, just not getting a lot of separation. And it all goes hand in hand too. The offensive line is battered, so it's not protecting well enough. Therefore, the receivers aren't getting downfield as much as they should. And, you know, they you end the game here with these receivers at somewhere around 10 catches for 89 yards combined. Jakeem Grant, zero catches, two catches for 17 yards in the last two games. I don't, I don't know what to say. I mean, how, how you see him do what he did on that 70-yard return and don't think it's a good idea to put him out there receiver. I don't know. I mean, Kenny Stills has been invisible the last two games. Albert Wilson, you know, even though he had a great start to the year, I think the last two games he's badly struggled to get separation. Gasicki, yeah, I mean, he had a better game here, but again, I, I I look at him and I continue to think that he's just another guy. You're not seeing those athletic catches that everybody was talking about. And Devontae Parker, again, a last-minute scratch with an injured quad. The Dolphins are badly needing a little bit of size in the receiving core, even though though Devontae Parker has been a huge disappointment to this point. He's got to get back on the field and at least contribute a little bit. I'm going to go with a C-. Sticking with the offensive line, Paul, I, I got to tell you, up until Laramie Tunzel went down and the Dolphins – 
were up 17 to three at the beginning of the fourth quarter. I actually had this unit probably graded at about a B plus for the day. Here's why is at that point, the dolphins running backs, there were holes open for them. They were running the ball effectively. I thought Tannehill was protected reasonably well throughout the game until Tunzel went down. And after after Laramie went down, Sam I mean Sam Young is is too bad for words. I mean, God help us if this guy has to play an extended period of time. Zach Stirrup was a scratch today. But yeah, I mean, Geno Atkins had a sack early in the game, but other than that, I thought the offensive line played very well throughout the first three quarters. Then again in the fourth quarter, this line was an F minus. So overall, I'm gonna go with a C for the offensive line. I'm going to bring that way down here. It's for me, it's a D and, and granted, I know they're doing the best they can with the tools that they have, but they're just not good enough. Uh, we're on our third string center, as we've talked about extensively. We're on our backup left guard who washed out uh, in his first year with the team. And then, you know, we're on our, I can't even call him second string tackle. I mean, he, he's a journeyman swing tackle, hell of a guy but not a hell of a football player in Sam Young. And a lot of that room in the running game came from chip blocks from the running backs or, you know, from the tight ends. Uh, you know, Nick O'Leary w- was a godsend in, in this game from the tight end spot as far as his blocking ability and the way he stood out there. And, you know, it, it's Tannehill was on his ass way too often, and that's – not saying he held on to the ball too long. It's it's in this game he just was on his ass too often. Jesse Davis whipped so badly on that Geno Atkins sack. I mean, it's, <laughs> he might as well have been playing left guard trying to block Geno Atkins over at right guard. It might have been more effective. I mean, it's it was that bad. It's just I mean, Juwan James he had an okay day, but when you've got four offensive linemen playing like mediocre garbage we'll go with and, and Gino excuse me Juwan James also gave up that sack to Carlos Dunlop that led to the game clinching fumble there for them so yeah not a good day overall the fourth quarter was a completely different level of bad up until then I mean yeah you had the Geno Atkins sack other than that I thought Tannehill did hang on to the ball for a long period of time. And I thought overall that the offensive line was not a problem until that fourth quarter, but inevitably it did ruin the game. There's no doubt about that hand in hand with Tannehill's ineffectiveness and moving, moving the team down the field. So you're going with the D on that. Let's move on to the defensive side of the ball, Paul. At least we can end the show here on defense with, with some good things to say. I mean, I can't blame the defense for anything they did here today. I mean, Dolphins lost 27 to seven, 17 here today and they had two uh and the offense allowed two touchdowns i mean 13 points overall allowed by the defense and this is an offense in with andy dalton at quarterback that has averaged 31 and a half points a game heading into this contest starting with the defensive line the dolphins were missing their second third and fourth defensive lineman cameron wake william hayes is out for the year andre branch you had Robert Quinn in there. I thought he, again, just he fires off the edge in the first couple of quarters. And then he kind of starts to fade back a little bit. At the other defensive end spot, Charles Harris, 
just not getting it done. He had some opportunities today. You look at that touchdown from Andy Dalton to Joe Mixon at the, with the first play of the fourth quarter, and you'll see Charles Harris coming really close to sacking Dalton. He gets the ball off. Joe Mixon catches it for the touchdown. And as far as the running game is concerned, the defensive line did a pretty good job today. Joe Mixon did have a 31-yard run, but you take that run out, he averages less than three yards a carry. But on that 31-yard run, too, Joe Mixon, or Charles Harris gets absolutely wiped out of the play. We see that way too often. But overall, I thought the pressure was good. I thought the run defense was pretty decent, too. You know, I, I'm just going to stick with a solid B for them. I'm going to go with a B-plus here. I mean, there was a lot I liked with the defensive line. I'm completely with you on Charles Harris. I thought he was pretty much garbage in this game. Um, it, it's, you know, everything that went his way was ineffective, for, in my opinion. And, but that was counteracted a lot by the play of guys like Cameron Malvo, who I thought had a fantastic game getting the call back up. Um, Vincent Taylor continues to be such a bright spot. It's, I mean, God, he blocked another field goal today, and he was everywhere. I mean, when he wasn't making the play, he was disrupting the play. Quinn, I thought he did a phenomenal job. I really wish that opposing referees would tend to call the same holds across the board because he very easily could have had a, what would have been a strip sack if he wasn't being held onto from behind by the jersey uh, early in the game against Andy Dalton that really could have helped stem the tide even further in Miami's favor. So, you know, it, it's Quinn, he's an amazing freak of nature to me. He doesn't lose speed no matter what appendages are touching the ground. I've never seen that from somebody before. It's, it's, it's utterly, utterly impressive to me. Thank you, Rams, for, for sending him our way. But overall, yeah, easily a B plus. It's hard for me to go – to keep it below an A minus, I think if Cam Wake played in this one instead of Charles Harris, we'd probably be in that A minus to an A territory. Yeah, now the Dolphins have to resign Robert Quinn. You know, I think that he's shown a lot of that pressure. I mean, it's it's pretty shocking. He only has I think one or two sacks on the year, but the first half of every game he has just been absolutely on fire. And the second half he hasn't been all that bad either. He just fades away a little bit more because he's going so balls to the wall in the in the first half. Interestingly enough, second week in a row that Charles Harris has been completely outshined by either Jonathan Woodard or Cameron Malvo. The Dolphins continue to find these defensive linemen. It's going to be interesting to see how the snaps get divvied out throughout the rest of the year. At linebacker, Kiko Alonso had a typical Kiko Alonso game. A lot of tackles. He had a that interception early on in the game off that tip pass from Rashad Jones. And then later in the game, when Charles Harris was going after Andy Dalton, Dalton flings it up, and Kiko Alonso is looking around for the ball, and Joe Mixon comes down with it and just walks right into the end zone. So, But I, I think this linebacker group continues to cover a lot of ground when you've got Kiko Alonso and Jerome Baker out there. Jerome Baker is first two NFL sacks. I thought he also broke up several plays in the backfield. Really good game from Baker. In fact, I think Baker and Minka, the the additions to this defense, have made the middle of that defense a lot faster this year. uh, Raekwon McMillan, I've got to look a little bit more at Raekwon here throughout the week and see how he did on those run plays. But from what I saw, it looked like he did pretty decent too. 
not much to complain about other than the touchdown Kiko let up. So I'm going to give them a B as well. I'm actually going to go with an A minus for the linebackers. And, and yeah, that play by Kiko was so weird. I mean, he had really tight coverage and it looked like he threw his hands back so he wouldn't get called for pass interference and instead kept from disrupting the play and didn't even bring his hands back when, when Mixon caught the ball to tackle him, you know, it, it just, that was such a weird play, but Overall, he made up for it with the tackles he made, some of the stuff he made in the run game. Uh, I thought he was better in coverage today than he has been. Rake McMillan, easily the best game I've seen from him thus far, kind of showed that promise that, that makes me a little hopeful for him again for the future. And then Jerome Baker, yeah, there's not enough good things you can say about the leaps and bounds he grows every single week. Love seeing him out there. And, and even Chase Allen, when he got a little bit of a chance today, you know, showed why he is solid depth for this team and could be starting for other teams out there. Defensive back, Paul, you know, we said before the game how important it was to stop A.J. Green as well as Tyler Boyd. And it looks like the Dolphins did a pretty good job of that, too, uh, throughout the game. Andy Dalton, 200 and I, 250 yards passing right around that mark. And a couple of interceptions. Rashad Jones has a big play. How would you grade the defensive backs? I loved what I saw to the defensive backs today. I mean, seeing Mr. Jones back out there roaming roaming in the secondary was obviously a welcome sight. I mean, you look at that first series where, where he batted that ball up for Kiko. And, and really, just it, it seems like every single play, either T.J. McDonald, Minka Fitzpatrick, or Rashad Jones is a big part in blowing the play up. So, yeah, um, I thought McTire played a little bit better this week than he has in the past. And, and Xavier Howard's still, to me, the best player at his position right now. So, overall, the secondary here, I have no issue with what they did. They held a high-powered offense, which predominantly does it through the receiving game, to 13 points in this one and a big 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 component in that was the secondary so yeah i can't knock them a bit i can give these guys an a all day i'm going to give them an a minus here a couple of things here number one is yeah i i do think that aj green did get the better of Xavier howard today but that's not that's not a huge insult either i mean aj had six catches for 112 yards but when he got open and he caught those passes I felt like those were plays where Dalton was really well protected and two catches by AJ were just phenomenal last second throws by Dalton but you didn't see him running loose in the secondary he didn't get over the top so I can live with that I thought Minka did a phenomenal job in the slot and you're right Tory McTire had been beaten up all year but I thought he played a pretty good game here too uh, at safety, Rashad Jones was a huge welcome back addition, just a spark plug, created that first interception. T.J. McDonald, I still feel the same way I've always felt about him. I love him against the run, not a big fan against the pass. I mean, every every game it seems like he's a little bit of a liability back there. But this defense in general I thought had a phenomenal game up until, you know, they, they had a little bit of slippage in the fourth quarter, but that's it. I mean, the Bengals – scored three points in the first three quarters. So that's usually – those are usually results that get a win here. So I'm going to go with an A-. minus. Moving along to the special teams, Paul, I'll throw it back to you. I'm going to throw out another A here. Really, the special teams overall today 
did enough good to win this game. They got a piece of a punt. They blocked a field goal. They ran back a punt for a touchdown. Yeah, Matt Hawk shanked the punt again. And, and, and Sanders made what was asked of him. So, you know, and, and continues to kick the ball into the end zone as he should. So, overall, I thought our coverage units were good in this one. E- easily an A here. I, I put the blame on the offense because, you know, at least 14 points are attributable to the offense here. Special teams and defense played well enough to win a game. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, uh, Jason Sanders makes one of his longest field goals of the year, if, if not his longest. Matt Hawk had a he sh- he can't, I think he had one bad punt today, but other than that, he he did a lot better. Jakeem Grant takes it to the house. Vincent Taylor with the blocked field goal. Chase Allen, Chase Allen too, and something we haven't even talked about on that is Chase Allen. What another chicken shit penalty there where yeah. it gave the Bengals a first down. Luckily, it didn't matter because the Bengals went three and out there on the next, you know, when once they got the ball back. But, you know, he, he was he was right in there, too. So I thought the special teams in general did one hell of a job. So I'm going to give them an A minus. The only reason I don't give them an A or an A plus is very simply because uh, Hawk had a bad punt or two that drags the grade down a little bit for me. So. But overall, it's – man, I, I tell you, this one hurts. I mean, I, I thought the Dolphins had this. I mean, if, if having so many injuries and to be up 17 to nothing midway through the third quarter, man, oh, man, that stings to, for the Dolphins not to come away with it. I do look at the roster, though, and even though right now I am really down on Ryan Tannehill, I do look at the rest of the roster, and I'm saying this. you, The Dolphins need to long-term – have Laramie Tunzel at left tackle, Jawan James at right tackle, and then in the secondary, long-term, Xavier Howard, Minka Fitzpatrick, Bobby McCain. If you can have those pillars in place, then I think you've got some things to build around here if you're the Miami Dolphins. And also, too, on the defensive side of the ball, you get Quinn resigned. I think you've got a really good pass rusher for the next few years. At defensive tackle, as bad as that draft class was in 2017, Got you on Vincent Taylor to come away with them in the fifth and sixth round, a big time steal. And Jerome Baker flying around in the middle at, or at outside linebacker too. So, some good pieces, but man, oh man, this stings. And I don't see how the Dolphins are turning this around on offense. I don't either. It's a lot of it's going to hinge on Laramie Tunsil's health for me at this point. And as much as Miami does need a big receiver as a threat here. I hate to say it, but it might be time to start looking around the league and seeing if there is a willing trade partner for an underperforming but stellarly talented offensive lineman to bring in here, possibly a player-for-player swap with Devontae Parker. I mean, it's just he's an enticing piece, even though he hasn't performed to his potential. So that might be part of having – of fixing this offensive line moving forward because without that offensive line, I, I mean, you could see the difference when Tunsil went out of the game and Sam Young came into the game and what effect the extra pressure had on Tannehill. I'm not putting it all on the offensive line, but it looked like he was trying to make something happen while getting lit up over and over again at that point in time. It's Miami needs something here. They need Tunsil back and healthy. 
and and really they cannot lose Juwan James or Laramie Tunsil this year, let alone for for the long term. I'll make it easy for you, Paul. There really isn't anything on the interior of the line around the league. And I'm sorry to say, but it's just it's barren out there. Um, and Devonte and I tell you what, I don't. I think if you end up trading for a, any center or guard, you're going to end up with a Travis Swanson or a Wesley Johnson type. It just it yeah. sucks, and I can't blame the front office for that because they went out there and they got Josh Sitton to play left guard. They got Dan Kilgore to play center. And in the first four games, after the first four games, both of them are on injured reserve. Um, Tunzel has a concussion. We'll see how that progresses throughout the week. I think he. I'm hoping that he's he's back and he's healthy because the Dolphins are, are. They have Khalil Mack coming to Miami next week, who is arguably the best pass rusher in the league. Too. That could be a nightmare if the Dolphins don't get that tackle situation figured out. That will do it for our breakdown. Uh, hold on a second there, Kat. Oh, You're forgetting for something. For Who, who's your jackass of the game? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, man. You know what? I, I'm going to throw it to you for the, I'm going to throw it to you for the, uh, for the jackass and for the player of the game. Well, for my jackass of the game here, I know there's a lot of folks that are expecting Tannehill. I've got a funny feeling that somebody else on this show is going to, to go with Tannehill here. I'm tempted. I really am, but I'm going to go with Sam Young. He had every opportunity in this game to come in and prove folks wrong, prove prove to folks that he had something left in the tank because he has come in in the past and done an admirable job. And he came in and proved he's everything I was afraid he was watching him throughout the preseason. And, and he is just not good enough. It's not his fault. But Big Red is my jackass of the game here. Uh, as far as my player of the game, this – Believe it or not, this is actually a tough one because there were so many good performances on defense, so many good performances on special teams. I'm going to throw it to Jerome Baker, locking down his first two NFL sacks, continuing to show improvement when he was a guy that even we weren't sold on when Miami first took him in this year's draft. We, we really weren't. I mean, it, it's he was too slight, not strong enough. He was very fast, but didn't look like he'd be – the most effective at the NFL level. And, and he, by far, you know, he got his first two sacks in this one. He was in on a lot of plays. He was a big part in stopping Joe Mixon, who may not be a household name for a lot of fans right now, but is one of the better running backs I've watched this season. So, you know, you, you look at the performance from him, and it, it's very easy to give him that player of the game with an honorable mention to Vincent Taylor. Yeah, I'm going to go with Jakeem Grant, even though it was just one play. I don't think it's his fault that he only gets on the field at wide receiver for probably five to ten plays in this game. I, I'm not positive on that. I'll check that throughout the week. But this is a what an amazing return. I think you can sew him up for the Pro Bowl right now as the return specialist. I mean, uh, what an amazing play to make the game 14 to nothing before halftime. It's a play that should have put the Dolphins up for good. My jackass of the game is going to be Ryan Tanhill for the second week in a row. I, he's just not moving the ball. If you want to hear anything more about why I think this, you can rewind about 20 minutes here and, and hear me break it down with Paul. Paul, anything else uh, you want to add on to this? One really bright spot here is I know we're coming up on that winnable stretch that we looked at. There is a chance to right the ship with the talent that's on this team. Despite the issues along the offensive line, they might have to get creative not just with some of the play calling, but also with pulling a few of those chip plays 
where defensive linemen have to have their heads on a swivel to help out some of these offensive linemen that are struggling. But Miami's still in fifth in the AFC right now. All this drama we've had the last two weeks, they're still in fifth place in the AFC after game five. So there are some bright spots. There are reason for hope. I mean, you correct a couple of plays in this game, and it's a huge swing in Miami's favor. So those are correctable things that are out there. And and Miami just has to, well, they have to execute them. But they're in position to still control their own fate here with a schedule that will allow them to do that if they're able to make those adjustments. So not all doom and gloom here, even though it was a rough day football-wise. Yeah, it was a rough day. And three, yeah, look at the next four games, and you can look at the schedule yourself, too. I mean, winnable games. And if the Dolphins can go three and one here in the next four games, come out angry, get a little bit healthier as this progresses, and we look around in a month and we say, hey, you know what? The Dolphins are six and three now, and now we can start getting a little bit excited again. But yeah, not not a good last two weeks in Miami. So we'll hope that they turn it around. And that will do it for our breakdown of the Miami Dolphins. 27-17 to 17 loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. You can follow Paul and I on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Be sure to check out our merchandise store, too, on the finside.threadless.com. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. So, D, take us out. It ain't the left side or the right side. Then it must be the fin side. side. It ain't the left side, left side or the right, right side. side. Then it must be the fin side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do again. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.